Welcome back to Rhythms of Grace. My name is Nate, and I'm here with Sung Kim, the lead pastor of Grace Church. I'm the executive pastor, and we uh, this series, this season of our podcast is called No Easy Answers. We're looking at passages, concepts, specifically from the New Testament, um, that are challenging or disturbing or just plain confusing. So that's kind of where we are. And for this episode, we are swinging without a net. I have no idea what you're going to talk about. I have zero, zero uh, sort of a heads up on what the verse is for today. So do you want to tell us what we're going to be diving into? Yeah. So we have a couple more uh, specific passages that people have asked about. And then we have a, a handful of issues mm-hmm. uh, like hell is a big one, and um, women in leadership, all the good, fun stuff where we get yeah. a lot of people shooting arrows at us. Right, right. Those are non-controversial, so that's no. good. Yeah, but this one, actually, um, ha- ha- th- there are some passages that ha- like we need to re-look at what they mean, kind of like the cut off your hand uh, yep. and gouge out your eye. And yep. once you understand the, the, the broader cultural context and, and the scriptural context, it makes better sense. And yep. so this one it does have somewhat of a more easy answer, but some of the issues that we'll be diving into in the coming weeks will not have any easy answers. Okay. So today is the question was asked, hey, Sung, can you, can you talk about the verse where it talks about the unpardonable sin? Okay. Oh man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and they were they, they were like, well, because you know, I, I've read that before. I don't know how to understand it. And yeah. as a young Christian, it really scared me. Like, yeah. what if I committed the unpardonable sin? What is that? Is that adultery? Is that mm. murder? So what what is that? Do you have a reference for that what yeah, that uh, verse actually is? Matthew chapter twelve. Okay. Verse thirty-one and thirty-two. And as we look it up, uh l- let's read it, or maybe I'll have you read it. Just Matthew 12, 31, 31 and 32. Thir- yep. Okay, I'm almost there. Did you, did you, you probably didn't, because I went to a Christian school and we used to do like these, th- these like these Bible drills where it was like who could find the Bible passage the <laughs> fastest. Did you ever do those? You'd get like a prize. I, w- I never won. Okay, but I'm here. I got <laughs> okay. it. I got it. And so here we are. And these are the words of Jesus. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. So what is the sin against the Holy Spirit? Because that is what it says will not be forgiven. And it says, you can speak a word against the Son of Man, That'll be forgiven. Man. Like, so you could be like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, so you're going to have to help me out Yeah, here. so uh, let's ask this question. I, is there such a thing as an act or a deed that is so profoundly wicked or deeply wrong that there is absolutely no hope for redemption? Right. Irredeemable. Yeah. Because sometimes people will say to me, Some, you don't understand what I've done. Yeah. It is so bad. A- and uh, Christians and not Christians will feel like, well, perhaps I have committed the uh, unpardonable sin. I-, I will say a lot of times people think it's a sexual sin, but that is the unpardonable sin. Interesting. But it's not. Okay. Um, 
So I think we'll, we have to look at the context, and it says, so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So uh, I think uh, sin is the backdrop of what Jesus is talking about here. So that's the first thing to understand. And I think what we often miss, because we try to rush to that question of what is the, the you know, how, how do you blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Yeah. We, we forget the main point that Jesus is trying to make is that sin is pretty serious. And it's the primary reason behind every problem and difficulty in this world. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about like, oh, I broke the rules, but it's really uh, you're trying to switch places with God. Yeah. And so that's the first thing to understand. And then I think when he says, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. Uh, obviously, the Son of Man refers to Jesus. Yeah. The thing that people often mistake is that, that they think the Son of Man refers to Jesus' humanity. Mm. Because it, in contrast to the Son of God. Okay. But it, it's actually referring to a different passage. Hold on with me all, all, if you're starting to get lost. A little Bible context will help us get a long way. Going back to Daniel chapter 7, it talks about the Son of Man coming through the clouds. Mm-hmm. There's like a worship song with that, right? You're coming <laughs> on the clouds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. Is that not the one you were thinking no, of? No, no. Okay. There's another. But... Um, when you talk, when you look at that, the Son of Man refers to actually um, uh, um, a king or somebody who rules over a kingdom. And in, in Daniel chapter seven, the Son of Man he comes riding in the clouds, and his kingdom will never pass away and will never be destroyed. And so he's saying, look, if you if you speak a word against the Son of Man, this king, mm. not just this human being who is also the Son of God, but like this king. You'll be forgiven. Mm. This is pretty radical. And not only is it talking about the seriousness of sin, but it's talking about the willingness of this king to forgive. To forgive, yeah. Because, a little, again, a little Hebrew scripture background. Like, you take Esther. Do you remember the story when Esther enters into the, the king's... And this yeah. is... She's the queen. Right. But she's f- scared for her life. Yeah, like entering uninvited was, yeah. a, was usually a death sentence. You can't just walk into the presence of a king. Like, you, if you spoke a word against the king, even if you were the queen, I mean, you were, you were out. Mm. Like, like mm. not just, like, kicked out. You were dead. Yeah. Um, you, could, you couldn't turn your back to a king. You, 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 you couldn't even look at the king in the eye. That's how much reverence that they gave in the Hebrew scriptures. And so for this king to say, hey, you could speak a word against me and it will be forgiven. Mm. Like understand how serious sin is, but also understand how willing and generous I am in in forgiving you. So what you're essentially saying is that sometimes people try to sort um, sort of lower the intensity of speaking a word against the Son of Man, saying, oh, well, that's like if you speak against Jesus's sort of humanness. And mm-hmm. you're saying that's not at all. He's actually referencing something much greater yeah. than simply being a man. But this was a, a common phrase for um, someone who was a king. Like, it was like an expression of royalty, yeah. right? And yeah. so he was saying, like, you can do... It's almost like he's saying, you can do this, which is a horrible, horrible, horrible sin, and yeah. you will still be forgiven. Yeah. But then he says... Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is like even worse than yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. So right, I'm tracking. So ju- just for uh, like bring it down to earth, you may have murdered somebody in the past. You may have committed adultery, sexual immorality, mm-hmm. all sorts of like just 
debauched acts of sin. Yeah. And, and Jesus saying, that can be forgiven. Mm. I will forgive you. Um, and then it, and then it goes on to say, okay, but if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, like that seems a bit like a contradiction. So is it A or B or B or A? Like if like if every sin is forgiven, then every sin is forgiven, right? Well, like right. Wh- what does this mean? I think the best way to understand this is, uh, and let's reread the first clause and treat it as um, an external. So every external sin, any action, any word, any deed will be forgiven. Uh, so David lusts against his neighbor's wife, schemes and kills kills off her husband yeah. and commits adultery, and he is forgiven. Uh, and I would say, as a pastor, I have never met and talked. Uh, I, I mean, I we've we've met with, talked with a lot of people who have blown up their lives. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I've ever met somebody who's ever blown up their lives as bad as David did. Mm. Like he, he just blew up his life and it's as he's forgiven. Now, if we look at the second clause and if we, if we understand it in contrast to external deeds or actions to an internal thing. So let's, let's, this is the SKJ, uh, SKV, the Sung Kim version. Okay. Which is heretical. <laughs> that's, that, right. that's the Here, unforgivable here's sin. Someone is releasing their first arrow as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you read it like, if you resist the leading of the Holy Spirit that prompts you to repentance, to turn from your sin and to turn to Christ, because that's a backdrop of this is, is sin, then there is no sin that can be forgiven. Mm. So to paraphrase the entire thing, there's no external word or deed that cannot be forgiven, and there's no sin that can be forgiven if you resist the leading of the Spirit to repentance. It's interesting to think about the context in which Jesus was communicating these words, because again, if you remember uh, the way that sort of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, had they had created this massive, massive set of rules regulating all of your actions to keep you from sin. And so that was sort of the culture that that they were operating inside where your actions meant everything. Almost it seems like the way Jesus often spoke about it was that it was almost at the expense of your heart condition. Right. Right. And so this is, again, him saying, like, look, these external things, they can all be forgiven. If you work on the set, I mean, again, this is the NKV, the Nate Kimball version. <laughs> Here comes arrow number two. But but all of these things, all the, if you work on the Sabbath, you know, if you like you don't eat kosher, like in some ways, he's kind of saying all of these things can be forgiven. Yeah. But what happens in your heart is what actually makes that's actually the point of all of this. Right. And and, um, the larger context of this is Jesus is talking to good, moral, religious leaders. And some of his strongest rebukes aren't to quote unquote sinners. He I mean, almost never. He, no, he, he doesn't say this to prostitutes or tax collectors, drug addicts. He, his strongest rebukes are to good, clean living, spiritual people, yeah. which is scary. Yeah. And, um, and so good, clean living, spiritual people who reject the prompting of the Holy spirit to repent and think that their goodness is good enough, which is what we tend to think. Oh, well I'm, and when you talk to people, Christian or non-Christian, there's always a tendency to think, well, I'm not as bad as, Mm -hmm. and you know, they'll often say Hitler. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
And so uh, you got to pick somebody way out there, <laughs> right? Um, and and so on one hand, for for one group of people, if you're a Christian, troubled by the fact that you might have committed the unpardonable sin, the fact that you're troubled by your sin is good evidence that you probably you you not probably you haven't committed it. And so I would say to that to that group, like, yeah, he, run to G- hear his words that every kind of sin is forgiven, and run to him. And if you're a non-Christian or, or and you're wrestling with Jesus, don't be afraid that like anything you've done, past, present, or, or future, that that will somehow keep you from God or yeah. from Jesus, um, because. Maybe somebody listening today, like you're really close and, and, and like you, something inside of you is just saying like, yeah, I, I, I need to take that step, but you're really afraid. And the biggest objection that I hear is like, well, uh, again, like I've done these things. Yeah. I, I've done things that I've never told anyone. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I mean, it's interesting if we if we look a little bit further in that same passage, the other sort of illustrations that Jesus puts out there mm-hmm. is make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Yeah. Um, you know, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. He, he's speaking to motivation sort of over and over and over again. And I, I think that's just a, such a critical, critical thing for us to remember. I mean, it really goes back to even some of the other verses that we talked about, like cut off your hand if it causes you to sin, you know, pluck out your eye. Because Jesus is moving things further, further back. You know, if you're talking about a tree, yep. you'll forgive me. I got to talk about trees. <laughs> if you're talking about a tree, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, it, like the, the type of tree is the entire point. You can't plant a maple tree and expect to get oranges, right. right? So he's saying, like, look, here at the root, at the very foundation, who you are is what makes all of the difference. And that really was a, I think it's it's helpful to remember that that really was um, sort of a, a very controversial or unexpected message for a religious teacher to give at that point, yeah. especially to good moral people um, who were sort of used to being patted on the back or sort of uh, evaluated based on how many boxes they happen to check. Mm-hmm. At, I mean, it doesn't feel very different f- from where I find myself some days. Kind of like, did I do all these things? And if so, well, great. Well, then we're all good to go. Mm. And Jesus, again, is just pulling this back saying, you know, am, am I living, listening to the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Am I listening, allowing myself to be you know, uh, challenged and convicted. And, um, and if I'm doing that, then it's sort of like, that's where our efforts should be focused. Yeah. And and even as a follower of Jesus, there are so many instances when the Holy spirit is nudging me and I don't listen. Yeah. That, that, (laughs) that's a whole separate thing, right? That doesn't mean like, Oh, well, that is the unforgivable sin because I'm resisting the Holy spirit. I think this is also pointing to the power of uh, when you come in humble repentance mm-hmm. before God. Because I, I don't remember where I heard this, but it's just a, a like, uh, but the Christian life is a life of repentance. Yeah. Continual repentance. Yeah. It, it's not about being good. It's not about like being perfect or whatever. It, it is really admitting your shortcomings every day, every moment, and, and just receiving uh, the grace and mercy of God. And so 
like if you're even thinking like even as a christian i, I do resist the holy spirit yeah you know he, he does nudge me and and i say no like look no 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 like that is not what we're talking about okay this, this is kind of the, the the um the holy spirit to like as a non-christian your life is not about repentance I would mm. say it's about penance, mm. which is, well, I did this bad thing, so I'll try to do good things to right, make up to for make it. Right, to make it right or yeah, right. make up for it, yeah. And so when, you're whole, when the Holy Spirit leads you to repentance in the larger context of this conversation with religious leaders and sin, and you make that choice um, or, or you, you respond to that prompting, um, that, that's where it just opens up. And Jesus says, look, anything can be forgiven. Mm. Now there's a whole, there's a whole nother thing about that. I don't know if we should go into, it, but we, we can. I mean, like you know, for, God's forgiveness is really scandalous, in the sense that um, sometimes we can self deceive ourselves into thinking, "Well, I'll do this because God will forgive me." Mm. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah, <laughs> I've done that. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and there's two continuums. Some people who are like, I can't, uh, you know, I, I, I'm so terrible. Um, you know, I can't forgive myself. Right. And sometimes those people, it, it's like God's already forgiven you. You're kind of like the adulterous woman, you know, and, and God, Jesus is saying, look, does anybody accuse you? Mm. No. I, I, you know, go and sin no more. Imagine that story. Imagine the uh, accused woman picking up a rock. that Throw, And hitting herself. Hitting herself. <laughs> right? that, that's what... I've been there. Okay, a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, and, and some people fall towards that tendency, like sure. you. I, I I tend to be the other way. Like, well, you know, you know, like you you take advantage of, um, or, or you don't consider the the cost of forgiveness mm. that the cost on on in terms of Jesus's uh, God's end. Yeah, because forgiveness isn't free. And this is true in human relationships. If there is forgiveness, obviously the person who is being forgiven, um, it, 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 it is free. Mm -hmm. But to the person forgiving, it is so costly. Yeah, right. Y essentially, when you're being forgiven, you're not paying the cost, but that right. doesn't mean there isn't a cost. Right. Yeah. And so if you say, ah, God will forgive me, basically, uh, I don't know if this uh, yeah, it, it's like you're spitting in God's face. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I've been on that side of the spectrum too. So let's just, let's, I, <laughs> I sin across the entire spectrum. Um, but yeah, that's a really, it's a really important thing to remember that there is, there is a cost. The, the beauty of God's grace is that you don't pay it, but there yeah. still is a cost. Um, so can I, so uh, did you have somewhere else you nope, want to go? Nope. Because go I ahead. wanted to ask a couple, uh, first of all, I want to say, I'm really glad that you reiterated like, hey, every time that you like yell at your spouse when you know you shouldn't, isn't blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Because that was going to be my next question, right? Like I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in some serious trouble here. Um, but the, I wanted to ask, you know, you say sometimes people interpret this, the, the unforgivable sin as a sexual sin. Do you know why that is? Like where does, why, why do they, is it just because of our sort of puritanical roots yeah. in the Western church? I, I think so. You do really? I, I do. Okay. I do. I, I think because if you've grown up in church, Protestant or Catholic or any other, and, and, and or gone to Catholic school, mm. right? They, they, they. Like we're like the Pharisees in the sense that you grow up being taught 
and they don't say this, but it feels this way, like that is the worst sin. Right, sexual ever sin is worse than mm-hmm. any other kind of sin. And, and so there's this whole purity culture behind it, which again, like, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. But again, it's done a lot of damage because yeah. they approach it from an, an external behavior uh focus versus a heart focus and and that was me as a kid right abide by all the rules when people are watching but when people are not throw them to the right get away with as much as you can i mean it's interesting that you're saying essentially making it a sexual sin um makes the same mistake that jesus is trying to confront (laughs) which is essentially saying look if all you're looking at is behavior you've missed the point of what a a transformed life looks like yeah I mean, I've talked to women who've, who, who've said, man, I've gotten an abortion. You know, so it always hinges around, and, and I feel like that is unforgivable. Mm-hmm. I can't forgive myself um, for, for various reasons. And again, I, I see this more with people who've grown up in the church. Uh, because obviously the culture is almost the other way around. Yeah. Sleep around, it, you know. It, it, you know, it's consensual. Right. It sexual matter. sexual sin has become. I shouldn't say sex, sexual sin. Sexual activity has become. It, they've we've been tr- the the culture has tried to remove sort of, sort of all stigma yep. from it. I mean, the yeah. hooking up culture, or whatever. It's kind of like no, it doesn't mean anything. It's like just your body. Right. Right. And so you're saying that like. We don't want to, we're not moving in that direction. Yeah, no, right, right. And, and the danger is because, let's say, some of the damage of uh, the pure, uh, the uh, purity culture back in the, whatever, 80s, 90s, or whatever it was. I kissed dating goodbye. That's right. That I, dude's not even a Christian anymore, No, by the way. I know. In fact, you know, uh, one podcast I've been listening to, and probably a lot of listeners, too, have listened to The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And one of the episodes is with uh, about uh, Josh Harris's uh, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And so the, the, te- the, the tendency... This is also true when it comes to people who have grown up in the church and now they're trying to deconstruct their faith is they tend to go from one end of the pendulum to the other. Mm -hmm. And so the the answer isn't, oh, because I grew up in a purity culture, the answer is to just experiment sexually. Mm -hmm. Right? That's not the answer. And, you know, God in his mercy will allow you to just run free and, and until you come to a sense of just emptiness and futility in that way of life. And... And uh, like in that sense, um, and when that happens, when when your life kind of implodes or you hit a wall, that is actually God's mercy. Mm-hmm. Like we think, oh, God's mercy just kind of lets you do whatever you want. Yeah. No, no, no. His mercy is when when uh, you hit the wall, when you hit rock bottom, when when your life falls apart. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard it communicated that that. Even in our relationships, whether it's with children or spouses or friends, not letting people experience the consequences of their actions mm-hmm. is not love, right. right? That's and so in some ways that's not mercy for for God to like save us from the natural consequences Ourselves. of our yeah is like that's not his his mercy doesn't exist there yeah, his yeah. mercy exists in letting us experience that and yeah. then and then showing us a different way and in fact this might lead well to a future episode when he doesn't intervene and, and you think oh i've gotten off scot free mm. that is hell mm. like you create hell in your own soul in your own life because that, that lifestyle goes unchecked and any kind of intervention that God through his Holy Spirit is trying to draw you back, you just ignore, set aside, and you just re- run headlong into whatever lifestyle you want. Mm. Eventually, that leads to like a, a, 
like, and hell, I, 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 we're, I'm not referring to this fiery place where the devil has a pitchfork and mm. wears this red jumpsuit kind of thing. Okay. Hell meaning like, like <laughs> red jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that image. Like we, we often say, Oh, I'm going through hell on earth. Mm. Right. And you're talking about sort of an existential, yes, so, yeah. an existential yeah. hell. And we're going to talk about that in a future episode when we talk about hell. But literally that, that is, uh, that, that is God, uh, kind of not being merciful mm. to you, mm. kind of letting you um, <laughs> go unchecked mm. and letting your life just run towards just um, uh, this hell on earth. I mean, it reminds me of, and I think we've talked about this, and I don't remember why, but Ponzi schemes, we talked about how yeah. sort of they start small and left unchecked. They become sort of this... Yeah uncontainable monster that destroys lives with far, far reaching consequences. And you're kind of describing the same sort of thing, which is left unchecked. It doesn't just stop, you know, evil doesn't just stop when it's unchecked, it grows and it spreads. And the consequences that are coming are simply magnified. Right. Right. And and man, I'm starting to give up too much away about the hell episode, but you have people who, for example, are so, imprisoned by let's say an addiction that even if they uh, uh, um, even if friends and family members try to help them or rescue them they don't want it they would rather stay in their own prison of their own making that even if the door was open they would not walk out that so hell, (laughs) hell starts in our own hearts in that way and in our own lives it, it, it is a it is not a door that's shut on the outside it, it's a it's a door that's it's a prison that's that's locked uh, actually it's it's the door's open mm. but we just trap ourselves on the inside but again that we'll save that yeah, for the hell talk lots of previews but that's that's good that's good and I, I think that there's a lot of ties to that and sort of what the verse that we were looking at specifically today yeah kind of like this is where it begins yeah right the 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 road to hell begins with some of these verses that Jesus was, you know, speaking to the Pharisees and, and religious leaders about where it's like what happens in your heart is the beginning of that road, right. not simply um, the actions or the sins. He's kind of like those are forgivable, but yeah, understand yeah. the road begins here in your heart. Yeah. You know, one uh, this wasn't a passage that was asked about, but it, it reminded me of the passage where, because I remember it, it used to freak me out as a young Christian, like when Jesus says, unless your righteousness surpasses the, that of the Pharisees and Sadducees, hmm. religious leaders, you, you won't be part of the kingdom of God. And I'd be like, man. It's I'm impossible. Like, it's impossible. Yeah. And his whole point is like, look, they, they look clean on the outside. They oh, are man. dead on the inside. Those verses where he's talking about that, I... I I so regularly try to look at those and make sure that I'm remembering that he's talking to people like me. <laughs> you know, because it's yeah, very yeah. easy to point the finger and say, oh, well, he, you know, he was pointing at people that do this or that or this. And it's like, man, he was talking to, like, the pastors, pastors and yeah. of the day, yeah. right? He absolutely was. And he was saying yeah. things like, you, this one always kills me. Like, you, you put a burden on other people that you and your forefathers couldn't carry themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, am I, again, this is my tendency, but, like, am I doing that? <laughs> you know, um, but it, it just, it, it's, it's so interesting as we look at these things that, that feel confusing about the words of Jesus. In so many ways, he was trying to reframe a context 
um, that we still struggle with today, yeah. right? That as long as everything looks good on the outside, that you're fine and you are doing what you should be doing. And he just kept reframing it over and over and over again to say, nope, like that's not it. Like you are a whitewashed tomb, mm. you know, you're straining yeah. out a gnat and swallowing a camel. These are all things that he said mm. um, to try to reorient the hearts and minds of the people around him away from simply doing and saying the right thing yeah. to having a, a transformed heart and letting action spring from that. Yeah. Here's a question for you to uh, to maybe try to answer. So obviously in the in a in the Western church culture, which is very different from let's say persecuted churches around the world, mm-hmm. uh, people come in well dressed and uh, multiple people <laughs> many times over uh, very regularly say, everyone around here seems like their life is yeah, perfect. It's put together. And, and my, like, I feel like my life is falling apart. And, and from my perspective, I, I'm usually on stage preaching and because I'm having conversations with multiple people, I know how all these people's lives are falling apart and they look so good on the outside. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily a, uh, like a, uh, an intentional charade that they're trying to put up, right? I mean, it, it is, but, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not like we're trying to convey a sense of righteousness. It's not a malicious deception. Right. Right. So how how do we, as, let's say, the people of God, especially as we gather, um, and, and maybe even more specifically in a larger gathering, Okay. Um, how, how do you even be, begin to break down some of those walls of... Uh, of, um, because everyone feels like I am the only person yeah. whose life is falling apart here. Yeah. I look around, and everyone is put together. They're they're well dressed. Our kids are are well behaved, and, and my life is just crap. Yeah, I think that a, a significant part of it, and I think you do a good job of this. I think transparency of leadership is is powerful. I think I think. When you have an opportunity or a platform like you do or like I do with our online service Mm -hmm. to sort of be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. right, and sort of step into those transparent spaces and say, this this is where I struggle specifically. These are the (laughs) sins that I've committed and that I have been forgiven of. I think that does a ton. Um, And like I said, I think that's something that you do very, very well. Um, but it just sort of creates permission for people yeah, to know. Yeah. It's one of the reasons that I try to talk about my mental health struggles as yeah, often yeah. as I do. Because yeah. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me after I've shared that in a context or even on a podcast and said, man, I'm so glad you shared that. I thought I was the only one. Yeah. Or um, I was really like, there's a lot of stigma in my family about seeing a therapist. Uh-huh. And so I'm really, I'm really worried about doing that. Um so that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I do it. And yeah. I think uh, I think it's probably one of the reasons that you are so sort of honest about your struggles coming to faith. Um, because without that, we're just perpetuating the idea <laughs> right. that, for example, the pastors are the holiest among us, which right. we, you and I both know is <laughs> like just really, it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. And then everyone's sort of trying to attain that, right? Everyone's yeah. trying to, everyone's living into the verse that you just talked about, like trying to have a righteousness a righteousness that surpasses the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Mm -hmm. And if we, as the Pharisees and the Sadducees, are willing to say, look, you may think the bar is here, but here's me, honestly, my bar is in the basement. Suddenly, 
the idea that 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 you could sort of engage with that verse in a meaningful way it suddenly seems possible yeah yeah right yeah so i think that's a big part of it um that's good the other thing that i think is often lost in our modern expressions of uh church is that of confession Mm. i think that that uh one of the things so my wife had, I mean, maybe she shared this when she was on the podcast last uh, season. She she had a relationship that she was struggling with. Mm-hmm. And as she was talking to sort of a, a spiritual um, friend, oh, yeah. uh, you know, they basically said, like, it doesn't sound like there's much you can do there, but it certainly sounds like you have a lot to confess. Mm-hmm. And that w- just isn't a part of, that isn't a part of sort of our regular rhythm of faith. You know, but she found confession to be a transformative experience. Simply saying, look, I like I can't fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've lost that in a lot of ways. I think I think we don't. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we live into sort of the the reality of the Pharisees and the Sadducees with alarming frequency. Yeah. You know, we're th- trying to maintain an appearance on the outside. No, that's good. And this fall, we're doing a series called The Sacred Way, and one of the, the practices that we're looking at is confession, yeah. among other things that we do, let's say, as we gather as God's people on a weekly basis. And, uh, you know, when you were talking about leaders confessing I- and being vulnerable, it reminded me of a story. I think it was Henry Nouwen. I'm not sure. But where he, you know, there was a period where he, I mean, he he's so educated and degreed and certified and, mm-hmm. and and there was a season where he was working with people with mental disabilities mm-hmm. and for a long time he would try to teach them scripture and, and you know and, and they just weren't responding and they would say hey and he would say hey this is how you live the christian life and over and he just felt so discouraged and despondent and, and so one day he came up and he was just like uh i I don't have anything to say. I feel like a complete failure. Mm. And they all start cheering and they're like, now we understand. Mm. <laughs> I, I remember reading that. And that was such a powerful story, yeah. right? Because w- when you're trying to teach virtue, yeah. it, it just, it doesn't, I mean, it, I, I, and in one sense, we are called to a virtual, virtuous life in response yeah. to, to, to the gospel, but... And so I'm not saying not that that's not right, but but um, when when th- that that's just the power of vulnerability mm-hmm. and confession, and, and again as a pastor or as a preacher, that really struck me like wow. Okay, as yeah. much as he tried to teach them, they were only ready to listen when he felt like a complete failure. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's good. I mean, I think there's a lot to be learned there. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I really do. Um, I, I think without meaning to, we, we uh, again, it's the same thing Jesus said to the Pharisees. Like, we yeah. create roadblocks and barriers where we don't intend to simply because, um, I mean, I know that for me, it's never the person who is transparent about their failures that I mistrust. Right, right. If someone says, like, hey, you need to understand that I'm going to be prone to this, and, oh, man, I know that in our action, in our interaction, I did this, and I... That person, I'm like, okay, like they, like there's, there's transparency there. I can trust that what they say is true because they're willing to, to, to be honest about even their faults. The person that continually hides their sin or refuses to confront it or admit it, who's always sort of like, you know, trying to 
skirt their way around her. To bl- that's the person that I end up feeling like, yeah, if you if you can't even be honest about these sh- shortcomings, I'm yeah. not sure that I can trust you in these other areas as right, well. Right, right. I think there's a lot to be learned there. Yeah. That 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 there's an approachability in transparency, um, that is part of the kingdom of God. Yeah, I really think so. Yeah, one one thing if you're listening and if you're a part of Grace Church, <laughs> I say this. I mean, I, I half jest, but um, you know, I, we had a, I had a person coming in to the service, and, and another pastor and I were just talking, and he came and you know again out of fun loving kind of whatever, just uh, just kind of st- just stood in front of us and and just kind of half prostrated and said i'm not worthy uh, and um and uh yeah you know I, I it's all fun and just but really like things like that too like both can confirm in in like a leader's mind but mm-hmm. also in a person's yeah, mind the people that, watching yeah, yeah. That, that there is a difference oh man <laughs> i remember i have a good friend of mine who's a pastor uh, he's the, it's the church i was a part of uh back in the detroit area and he went to another church to speak and after the church there was like a potluck and they kept trying to get him to cut to the front of the line like hey pastor you come up and again (laughs) they were trying to be sort of respectful and deferential and he kept saying like no i'm not gonna cut in front of all these other hungry people (laughs) just because i have it's got have you know these letters after my name yeah um so yeah it's something we definitely have to be careful about yeah well, that's that's about the unpardonable sin. We digress, but uh, I think a good discussion. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we really hope that you will check out our next episode. Sung, do you have any idea what we're going to talk about? No, man, I have like a half dozen different things, so I, 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 I'll decide next week. Can we reiterate one more time if people have something they want to talk about? I was just going to say that. Text me at 734-709-5742 with your question. And even if it's long, I've, I've gotten some really some long paragraphs, texts, yeah. but it's really helpful. Yeah. A- and people have actually uh, also not just asked the question, but also personalized uh, and, and why this question, why these questions yeah. were really hard for yep. them. That's good. I mean, now, full transparency, that is your phone number. So if somebody yep. calls... You will not answer. I, you know, text only. Uh, seriously, may, uh, I don't know. I, I don't regret this, but man, I've gotten a lot of seven three four calls, and I'm like, you people, <laughs> <laughs> you're testing to see if I'll pick up. He does but, not. Uh, no. I, okay. I don't. So if you have a question, text it. We we love getting those questions, and we're trying to get through as many of them as we can. So until next time, hope that you have a fantastic week.